you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. It is so good to have you. I want you to take your Bibles and open them to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Dylan asked me, he goes, what's your scripture reading? I said, Genesis 1, 1. He goes, that's all? He's like, that's, that's a joke, right? I'm like, no, nope, that's it. That's it. Uh, this morning, we are going to start a series of lessons or a group of lessons from, if I can get everything started here, uh, centered around the idea of God is. Okay, I guess if you're going to, to give this series a title, it's going to be called God is or, or who is God. And one of the things that one of the things that in our own life, in our own walk, that we're always striving to do is we're striving to get to know God better. We're striving to have a more intimate relationship with God our Father. And although as we spend time and, and look through Scripture, especially uh, through, especially through the books of the Old Testament, we see so many different sides of God, so many characteristics of God. But even if you dig deeper, if you begin to dig deeper and you begin to look at the name God to us throughout Scripture, and, and even if you look in Genesis chapter 1, in Genesis chapter 1 we read, in the beginning, God. And then as you keep reading, you read in verse 3, and God said, and then in chapter, or verse 6, and God said, and verse 9, and God said, and 32 times throughout the first couple of chapters, you hear the name God over and over and over. But if you dig just a little bit deeper back into the original language of the Old Testament and the Hebrew, you're going to learn that although we in the English language have one name for God, God's name is a lot of different names throughout the writings of the Bible. And they're, they're different names for different reasons. And the main reason is the different names that are used are used to describe a characteristic of God that is being shown at that moment in time and at that specific point in Scripture. And as we open our Bibles to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, we are introduced to our God. We're introduced to our God that was there in the beginning and even before in many ways. But we're not just introduced to God, as you see on the screen, we're introduced to Elohim. We're introduced to the God and the definition of this name or the meaning of this name uh, means the mighty creator. Let me ask you, how many of you know what your name means? How many of you know what your name means? How many of you like what your name means? Do you know what Matthew means? You're going to love this. Matthew literally means a gift from God. As if I, if I ever feel bad about myself, I just have to remember to everybody around me, I'm just a gift from God for you. No, but our names mean something, right? And as we open up our Bibles and we see Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, a verse that we're so familiar with, we're introduced to a very specific God. We're introduced to Elohim, the mighty creator. And so I want us to take some time this morning and I want us to get to know this God, get to know what it means to call him God or to call him Elohim. If you want to look at it in just a very short statement, you could say that Elohim is the God and creator of all. The one who is powerful and able to speak Word into being. He's able to put stars in the sky with a simple utterance. He is able to bring plants to life. He is able to bring life 
to man through a simple breath. We see a God that is awesome and a God that is creative who we can serve and love. So as we think about this name God, I want to talk about three things this morning. That's the biblical way to do a sermon, right? Three points. The first is this. Elohim is a God who is mighty. It is a God who is mighty, which is really at the core of this name, the core meaning of this name. Many scholars will tell you that the root word El, E-L, literally means to be strong or to be preeminent. But the word Elohim itself, God, very simply as we translate it, although it is used most of the time to refer to God the Father, it is also used many different times throughout Scripture to refer to other godly things. When I say godly things, man-made godly things. Pharaoh was referred to as Elohim because he was the God of Egypt. Not big G, but a little g. If you refer back to Deuteronomy chapter 10, Verse 17, you, you read this verse. For the Lord your God is God of gods. Okay, so you've got for the Lord your Elohim, big G, big A, big E if you want to, is God of gods. And this verse is showing that of all the gods that man creates, that man follows, of all the gods that have create, been created through time, our God, the Lord God, is preeminent of all. That verse goes on to say that the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes, he is great and awesome. He is the God above all gods. So that brings me to the question of how do we know that God is mighty? Well, we only need to look at the very first verse of Scripture. In the beginning, God, or Elohim, created. No other God has ever created. As you go throughout scripture, you will never read in scripture the phrase someone created in a sense of the word created being taking nothing and making something. You'll never see that attribute given to anybody but God Elohim. He is the only creator of all of Scripture. So Elohim tells us that God is, He is a creator. He is a sustainer of all things. He is the one that not only creates you, though, but He also gives you purpose. Think back with me, if you will, to the life of Adam. Adam was formed from the dirt of the ground. Jesus breathed life into him, his own life breath. He gave him his spirit. And then once he gave him his spirit, once he gave him his life, he also gave him a what? He gave him a purpose. And he says, Adam, I give you this garden and all the things in this garden and all of these animals. You have a very specific job. What was that job? What was his purpose? His purpose in that moment was to name everything, to give everything a sense of, of order, to give, to give name and thought and place to things. God not only gives us life, not only does he create us, but he gives us purpose. And not only does he give us life, not only does he give her, us purpose, but Elohim wants to have a relationship with us. The great God Almighty who created all things, it is said of him at the very beginning of this story in Genesis that he walked with Adam and Eve. He had conversation. He had personal relationship 
with those people that he created. And that's a, an amazing image to me. Most of the time in, in our society, the more powerful you become, the more restrictive your access to people becomes. Your relationship circle gets smaller and smaller. But we serve the almighty God, the creator of all things, the literal mighty creator. He has given us life. He has given us purpose. But he also wants us to know that no matter how mighty or how great he might be, that personal relationship with you and with me is so valuable and important to him that he wants to have that. It, it, it's, it's not when you don't have a relationship with God. It's not that God has said no. It's that you have said no. And so remember that God wants to have that relationship with you. So as we think about this, we serve Elohim, a God who is mighty. Here's the next thing. Elohim also shows us that the God that we serve is three gods in one. He is three gods in word, one. So we started talking about the E-L, the L in this particular word, but let's go to the end. The end, the I-M in this particular word makes this word in the Hebrew a plural word, a plural word. But yet many times when this word is being used, when Elohim, this name of God is being used, it's being used to talk about how many people? It's being used to talk about one person, God. And that makes sense to some degree, but I find it interesting that the first name that we have for God that we use to refer to a singular individual, if you will, if you let me use that word, also is a word that is a plural word at its core, that it represents more than one God. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, as they're talking about uh, creating man. It says, then God, Elohim, and we look at that as God himself, said, let us, which is a plural word, make man in our image and in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over the earth, and over the cre creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his on image. So God, Elohim, plural, created man in his singular image. Now, that sounds maybe a little bit confusing, but we as Christians can know from the very beginning that God's name himself teaches us that we serve a God that is not just a God by himself, but he is also the representation of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, that he is threefold in nature, and that we ourselves, we ourselves are created in the threefold nature of Elohim, of God. There's a lot of conversation of what that means, and I'm not going to get into a very deep thought on that this morning, but I believe that when the scripture says that we are made in God's image, I think it means that we have a threefold nature as well, that our nature, our essence as children of God, is made up of our body, is made up of our soul, and made up of our spirit. We are threefold nature beings just like God. No other part of creation can claim that, that part 
of God, cannot, be, cannot claim that they were made in God's image like we are. So we serve a God who is three gods in one, and we are also made in that image, which makes us a very special part of the creation. Let's talk about the very last thing here, and then the lesson's going to be yours. I told the first service this morning, my seven pages of notes for whatever go by very quickly today, more so quicker than, than other days. And then I realized that most people never get upset about short sermons. They only get worked up about long sermons. I had never figured that out, but I told John, if we keep it going fast enough this morning, we'll be done in 30 minutes. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll let's keep going and we'll wrap up here in just a few minutes. So the next idea here is this, that Elohim, our God, is worthy of praise. He is worthy of praise. And, and the reason I bring this to our kind of closing point is I ask this question to myself. If I serve a God who is mighty, okay, the, the mighty creator of all things, and that in his name there is this uh, amazing concept that God is one thing but also three things, that can only be said really about God himself. Only God can be three in one, and he makes us that way, but we're that way because of him. What do we do with the awesomeness of God. Well, in Revelation chapter 4, we get a sneak peek, if you will, into the throne room of God. And sitting around God are 24 elders. And, and I've studied some of this. I can't exactly tell you what the 24 elders are there for, how they got there. I know they, were, they had to be created by God, but they have a very specific role. And their role is to simply worship Elohim. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11 says, You are worthy, O Lord, or our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. So what is our response? When we understand how awesome and powerful God is, when we understand the uniqueness of God, then the only thing that we can then do is turn around and worship him. You know, I'm afraid that in some ways we have, we have allowed structured church to hinder worship sometimes. That a lot of people have the idea and a lot of people have the concept that worship is only something that can happen in the walls of this building with this group of people. Paul tells us in Romans that if we live our life as a living sacrifice, that that is our worship to God. And it very much carries the idea that what we do outside of this building the rest of the week has just as much, maybe if not more, bearing on our worshipful attitude and heart than what we do when we're in this room. Not that this time is not important. Not that we need to quit having this time. But a life of worship is what we're called to when we understand how awesome and wonderful our God is. Look at what this verse says. It says that he is worthy, okay? Why is he worthy? Well, he's worthy. We kind of work backwards. He's worthy because he created us and gave us our being. We've already talked about that. We've already talked about him giving us our purpose and our life. And because of that, he is worthy to receive glory, to receive honor, to receive power. As I was studying the book of Ephesians, and we did this series on the book of Ephesians back um, almost a year ago now, and we talked about the Holy Spirit, and I, and I love an illustration that I found about the Holy Spirit and trying to explain what the Holy Spirit does. 
And it very much, I think, applies to our own, our own lives as well. Is that the whole point of the Holy Spirit, and you see this all through Scripture, that the Holy Spirit, what he's always doing is shining a light on Jesus. He's always shining a light on Jesus. He's never really just about himself. Everything he does is shining a light on the message of God. And that should be us too, that when we think about what does it mean to give honor and glory to God, it means that we live a life that in everything we do, we make sure that in those actions, we're shining a light on God so other people can see him. We're not shining a light on ourselves. We're not shining a light on others in, in order to make them look good and look better. But we're living our life to shine a light, a floodlight on God, so that when people walk by us, they don't see us. They see God. And that's what it means to give God glory and give God honor. So the question I leave with you today is, what is your response? What is your response to God as your creator? What does it mean for you in your life to know God as Elohim, to know him as this name, the great and mighty God? Does it change the way you look at him? Does it change the way you respond to him? I hope that it pushes you to a place of realizing that you serve him and worship him every opportunity in every way that you can. I look forward to continuing this study and looking at other names of God because I really do believe it'll bring us to a more intimate relationship with him as we move through this together. Let's close with a word of prayer and then the lesson will be yours. God, I thank you for this time together. I thank you for, I thank you for this name. I thank you for the reminder that you are the mighty creator, that it's so easy to just call you God and for the power and the majesty of that name to be used so much that maybe we forget how important that name is. And hopefully through this study, through this time together, hopefully we can be reminded of how deep you are, of how interesting you are, of how unique that you are, how compassionate you are. We want to know you, God. We want to know you with the greatest intimacy possible. We want to learn your traits and your characteristics so that we can shine a light on you every day. We thank you for this time together today, God. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community.